Thursday, August 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, David Hanson and Matt Kopenheffer. Gentlemen, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Thursday, Chris. We will wrap up uh, the week with more of Earnings Palooza. Um, we'll talk groceries. We'll talk gold. We'll talk housing. we got we got a lot going on, so let's jump right in with groceries. Whole Foods' third quarter profit was up 21%, but, David, overall revenue was on the light side Shares taking a little bit of a hit, down a couple of percent. Um, what did you make of the quarter? What really leaped out at you? Well, first off, on the shares, I think they were down a little bit early, traded back up, maybe just up a percent or so. Whole Foods is usually pretty volatile around earnings. I went back and looked at the last four earnings releases they had. The stock movements afterwards were up 11%. The next quarter, down 6%. Next quarter, down 10%. Next quarter, up 10%. <laughs> So, so on the whole, this is a pretty, pretty quiet quarter for Whole Foods, and it's just more of the same. Same store sales up over seven percent. That's pretty impressive. I mean, it is pretty impressive. <laughs> I saw a couple of reports that that couched that because as a as a shareholder of Whole Foods, I thought, oh well, that's great. But it was couched in the media as, and that was in line with expectations. And I thought, boy, that's. That's a tough bar to clear. I mean, this is a, a mature business, and I don't know, seven and a half comps just seems. I, I, and and which leads me to the valuation of the stock. Is the valuation of this stock such that, hey, look, to, to justify trading where it is, then yeah, they better deliver seven, eight percent comps every quarter. It is. I mean, it's. I think it's trading at like thirty-eight times earnings now, trailing earnings, okay. which. That's expensive for a, for a grocer, but yeah, it's, right. I think the the kind of the median where it's traded at the last three years is like thirty six times earnings. So it, it's always right around this valuation the last couple of years, and I think it's a little a little silly to play the quarter by quarter same store sales and whether they meet expectations and what the stock's going to do. I just read off what the stock does after right. earnings, which it's either big overreaction and it's a great buy now or, or big. This is the end of Whole Foods as we know it. Yeah. Uh, so again, for me, this is a very long-term story. This is a five, ten-year holding. I don't think you buy Whole Foods thinking that it's going to have a great rest of the 2013. Um, I believe in the business. I believe in the management team over there. So earnings are great. It's great to get quarterly earnings, but this is not a stock where we, I care too much about quarterly earnings. As a as a <laughs> as a value guy and as a valuations guy, it, it sort of pains me to say this. But the the stocks when we think about owning a stock for the long term, investing for the long term, yeah. the, the stocks that that are that just blow it out of the water over the long term, they're the best businesses, right? And and you, and you don't and you don't look back. In fact, you probably look back and you see a record of of what looked like overvaluation over the course of the. So, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I think what you want to look at here is. How's the business performing? And when you talk about seven point five percent same store sales growth, I mean that's that's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. And and so it's it's this expectations game which drives what happens in the stock market. And then those early those early stock price changes are oftentimes what drives the media coverage. Uh-huh. And then it all feeds into this vicious cycle. Ignore it all. I, the business is looking great. I was going to say um, we talk about John Mackey a lot when whenever we talk about uh, business leaders and John Mackey for starting this company and helping it grow to the point it is right now. I think deserves all the credit in the world. But someone who really, I mean, David, you mentioned the management, Walter Robb, 
who is the guy who is running the day-to-day operations, is, I think, unheralded. Um, and and I don't know, maybe maybe we can do a little something about that. But he just, he just strikes me. I, I actually had the chance to sit down with him. He was um, visiting the office a couple of years ago. I got the chance to to interview him face to face, and was just as soon as he left the room, I thought, oh my, I feel so good. I feel so good <laughs> about this company. Um, uh, when you think about. Um, you said this isn't necessarily a stock to buy for the, you know for the rest of of 2013 or uh, short term. Um, what do you focus on, or what do you think is the thing to focus on? Maybe not over the next six months, but really over the over the next couple of years. Is it sort of how they're growing their footprint? Uh, because I've said before that far be it for me to quibble with uh, management that I've just praised, but I, I look at Whole Foods and and part of me just thinks, why aren't you growing faster? Why aren't you opening more locations faster? I think that's that's a concern, but uh, I don't think they're not growing fast because there's obstacles to doing it. I think they're just very strategic in terms yeah. of when they're going to open stores. And I think the thing that I would watch over the long term is margins. I know we just talked about a lot of qualitative stuff with management and kind of just it's a great business and a great feel, great culture. Uh, but the margins are important in the long term. But I have faith that that, that management team is going to find new ways to keep those margins up, whether it be uh, through those those stores within a stores kind of concept. Mm-hmm. Of, we have the bar uh, concept here oh, yeah. in Old Town, <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, the prepared foods, they make such high margin on that stuff. So not the groceries, but the actual coming in and buying a $13 salad. I mean, that's that's pretty innovative. It's pretty basic in, in the concept, but boy, that's great for their margins. I think that's the long-term story. Don't look at quarterly margins. Look at margins over a couple-year period, and that's the long-term story. That, that's why I don't buy salad. <laughs> $13. Uh, Barrick Gold is the world's biggest gold miner. They just reported a quarterly loss of, wait for it, $8.6 billion. Matt, what in the heck happened? Well, what's driving this are write-downs uh, on, the, on, the, on the mines and their, and their assets. And that's driven by the fact that Gold has gone through the floor. Uh, you know, this has been this. It, it's it was a tremendous decade, maybe decade, more than a decade for gold, where it was just on a roaring tear. Mm-hmm. And and it was and, a great time to be a gold bug. It was a great time to be a gold bug. You know, and and and, and this is it, it's a, a very cyclical asset to own. Um, and you know, it, it started to look rich. I was one of those. I, I was I was somebody who looked stupid for a while as as I said that that gold did not look like an attractive investment and it continued to go up right which is what often happens in, in those sort of stories uh, it's 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 since cooled off considerably Barrick gold as you mentioned to me this morning when I when, when I showed you this story the stock hasn't reacted much, yeah, which you'd expect from an eight eight billion plus loss right, right. This well, stock is I think actually up a per- percent or or so. So so I think the story is you you look at the stock year over year and you're looking at a 48% loss. If you go back to September of last year, the stock was trading up around $43 a share. It's currently at just under 17. Yeah. So I think people may have seen this coming. I was going to say we we, t- we were talking before taping about uh, the the relative valuation of the market. There are certainly people uh, out there in the media and have for a while now been saying, oh, this market is overvalued, This, you know, it's, it's getting too frothy, all that sort of thing. 
but you know, in this sense, you can sort of point. It's like, well, not everything's going up. Um, um, and then there's Trulia uh, <laughs> as we move to housing. Uh, Trulia's second quarter loss was narrower than expected. Uh, shares up about 24% this morning. Uh, to be fair, they grew their subscriber number. It's up nearly 50% uh, from a year ago. But uh, what do you guys make of this? I mean, we, yes, housing has had a nice run. Um, the Zillow on no news other than, I guess, Trulia's earnings, because Zillow is a competitor of Trulia's, Zillow's up about 12% today. Does this make sense? This seems, I, I, I don't want to I don't want to knock a stock when it's on the rise, but I just I, I sort of look at this and I think I'm I'm not one of those people who's saying oh it's a bubble it's 1999 all over again, but I'm having a hard time getting my head around this. What do you what do you make of this? I've joked before if you have the word housing in the first two sentences of your business description, it's been an unbelievable year for you. Every <laughs> every housing related stock, home builders, Trulia, Zillow, they're all on a tear. Zillow's up around 200 percent. Uh, the past year, truly is up around. And you know, because you're a shareholder, right? I am a proud shareholder of Zillow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bought it about he, a year he ago. Was, so. It wasn't so proud before. <laughs> so, uh, and, and truly is up, I think, like 170%. So it's just been an unbelievable ride. And you mentioned it's, the, I think the loss wasn't as big as they expected. Right. Yeah. These companies aren't trading on fundamentals per se. These yeah. are, we talked about Facebook uh, last week, I think. And Facebook's not about the current what they're making today. That's not the investment right. thesis. The investment thesis with Truly and Zillow is that these companies are going to completely change the way we buy homes. And, and that's why you invest. That's why I'm an investor in Zillow is you look at the home buying experience and it's really ripe for disruption. I mean, you have real estate agents, the banks, just so many parties and it's not very coordinated. It's a big hassle for everyone. And these companies are putting more information in the hands of consumers, in the hands of mortgage brokers. And the more information out there, it makes it a more efficient process. So you're not buying these today because they look great on a price-to-earnings basis. And they're not, they don't even have a price-to-earnings ratio because they're not profitable yet, a lot of them. Uh, so it's really much a story of, do you believe in that vision for a, a better future of the home buying experience? Matt, do you own either of these stocks? I, do, n- I, I do not. Okay. Do not. So, But as we've talked about before, you're very comfortable in owning large investment banks, which I and a lot of other people just look at and think, I want no part of that. I, I don't have an edge. I don't. What is it about these stocks that makes you personally go, eh, Zillow, Trulia, I just, yeah, that's not for me. So, so here's, it's... Because you sit right next to David. Uh, maybe you're, you're just reacting to his daily gloating of how Zillow's well, been on the, well, <laughs> the well, well, David rise. is talking about a fundamental change in the way we, we, we buy houses. And, and I'm a little bit more scared of, of death threats from the realtor industry than apparently David is. Um, but uh, I, I, actually, I actually agree with him. It, it, to your question, it's a, it, it's a question of type of complexity. So, you know, to me, the banks, you know, I, I, I understand, I like to think I understand the industry and, and understand the business models. So they just make sense to me. And, and when, when I look across the banks, I can figure out what I think they're worth, what I think a fair value is. When I look at Trulia, when I look at Zillow, I can see the promise. I can see why they're interesting companies. Um, but the emerging industry uh, thing, the whole emergency, emerging industry thing, I don't know who's going to be the winner there. You know, and, and, and I don't know what kind of technology, what kind of approach is going to win in that. I know that housing is coming back. I know that, like David said, the, the market is ripe for disruption. But um, 
but but picking the winner there is is over my head. Do you think that, or uh, let me put it this way: Do you expect any sort of dramatic pullback for these stocks, uh, for Zillow, for Trulia? Certainly possible. I think if you're sitting there today and you don't own Zillow or Trulia, and you want to get in, you believe in that vision. Be prepared for these stocks to be down fifty percent. Right, entirely possible. So you have to have a long enough time frame and believe in the in the management team and the vision. So don't just buy into these companies without understanding management's vision and how they're allocating their capital and where they're putting their efforts to. So if you're buying today, be prepared to buy more if it drops fifty percent because. Like I said, a lot of these stocks aren't even profitable yet. Right. That can that can lead to a lot of volatility in the share price. So I'm standing ready if Zillow drops 50% and I still believe in the vision, I would buy more. If you don't feel that way, I don't think you should buy these stocks. And when it drops 50%, that's when I do the gloating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, retailers who want to, uh, or I should say realtors uh, who want to threaten us, or retailers, uh, if, if you want to threaten David, you can email us, radio at fool.com. We'll, we'll forward that along to him. You can also follow us on Twitter, at MarketFoolery is our handle. I uh, want to thank some, some very kind comments we've gotten from listeners recently. Uh, Mabel Nunez in New York City, Steve Barkas in Staplehurst, UK, uh, and Brent Summers in Phoenix, Arizona, who, uh, in the wake of our recent conversation about Bitcoin, uh, sent us a message saying, say it ain't so, Thailand makes Bitcoins illegal because its laws are too old-fashioned. That's, a, that's tough to, for me personally to know where to come down on that one. It's hard for me to side with Bitcoin. On the other hand, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know about just outlawing currency, but anyway. Uh, speaking of Twitter, our guest on uh, Motley Fool Money Radio Show this week is Carl Quintanilla from CNBC. Um, he is hosting a new documentary that they are uh, debuting Wednesday, August 7th at 9 p.m. Eastern called Twitter Revolution. I have seen an advance uh, cut of this. It is fantastic. It is it is amazing, not just because you get an inside look at Twitter, the business, uh, but just the amazing ripple effect that it has on everything from pop culture, sports, to, uh, as we've seen in the Middle East, uh, revolutions, uh, and even law enforcement in the U.S. Um, We'll wrap up with uh, Yelp. Second quarter revenue up 69%. They raised guidance for the full year. The stock is up more than 20% this morning. I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Is Is this warranted? Is this a little bit like... Uh, you know, is, is this more towards Facebook and hey, we're actually making money, or is this a little bit more like Trulia and it's uh, well, or, you know, we're not losing as much as we had before? If I were to take Peter Lynch's "Buy What You Know" at face value, yes, this would be a stock I'd buy. I'd buy. I, I I think this is a great company. I think the service they provide is is really excellent. You know, I can when when my wife and I travel wherever we are, we'll pull up this this Yelp app and and. and Go to the restaurants that are recommended. It is a winner almost every time. It, I mean, it's it's so great to be able to be in any, basically any city across the U.S. Yeah. and be able to say we know a great place to go to eat. Um, as an investor, this is this is again, you know, this is this is too hard pile for me. I can see the potential for this company over time, and I know David is about to to say exactly why this is such a brilliant business model. Um, but you know, I I look at the fact that that profitability questionable, 
fun, you know, from a fin- fundamental perspective, from a, from an actual earnings perspective, um, and, and I think about technological disruption, and I'm not I'm not buying. David Hansen, rebuttal. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned Facebook and Zillow and Trulia with Yelp. Uh, I'm going to read a tweet. You're just talking about uh, Twitter from Eric Bleeker, who's our managing editor of Fool.com and our tech specialist. He tweeted, Yelp up 21% continues what I was tweeting about last week. Mobile hardware is a dead investing idea. All the money is shifting to services. So what do Facebook, uh, Zillow, and Yelp all have in common? They're all doing very well on mobile, and they're all monetizing very well on mobile. 59% of searches on Yelp were done on mobile. So I thought that was pretty encouraging. All of these stocks up over 20% based on the fact that they're doing very well monetizing a mobile, and that's where the future is going to be. I don't think anyone questions that the, the focus for a lot of these companies should be on mobile. And in terms of the business and why I think it's a, a good business model, uh, Yelp lays out how many businesses they have reviewed. So all the local businesses that have received a review, it's been over, it's around 50 million businesses have been reviewed on Yelp. And businesses can come in and they can claim that that's their business. So if you're a business owner and someone's writing a review on you, you can go on Yelp and say, hey, this is my business. I want to claim that and create a little little Yelp profile there. So of the 50 million that have been reviewed, only 1.1 million have been claimed. So it's only 2% of the businesses have been claimed. And only 51,000 businesses are paying Yelp through advertising and other services right now. So... A mil, over a million have been claimed, 51,000 are paying, and there's 50 million businesses on there. So I can see the potential that they have all these businesses, they're creating profiles. Uh, and like Matt said, it's a great business. So when you have all those ingredients, up 21%, it's kind of ridiculous, and it's an over $3 billion company now, but I can see why some investors are buying in here. Uh, we got to wrap up uh, because uh, our retirement expert Robert Brokamp is, is set to tape an interview with Marketplace Radio. See, it's it's not just on the market foolery. We've, we, we're everywhere. Well, well, Brokamp is everywhere. Anyway, um, uh, but before we wrap up, uh, do you have a review? Do you like to share? Do you have a restaurant? I, I granted this is just for like the D.C. area or Alexandria or maybe Las Vegas, and you can't do Cafe Rio because you've already sung the praise. Come of Cafe on, Rio. that's that that is that is the one. Um, I, I am going to I'm going to sing the praises of um, Domino's. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I, I'm not kidding you because it's it's a contrarian pick because Domino's actually has good pizza. It's not just it's not just easy. It's also really good pizza. And I'll tell you what the the, the folks that live near us are are really good and, and they do a great job and I love them. Domino's is my review. Thumbs up. Wow, David, you got something? I'll do Pizza Hut just to be contrarian to Matt. <sighs> you guys are disappointing. You're just very disappointing. I was looking for something local, and you're giving me Pizza Hut and Domino's. David Hansen, Matt Copenheffer, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by the amazing Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks.